Welcome to the Open Source Way. This is our podcast, SAP's podcast series about the difference that open source can be. And in each episode, we'll talk with experts about open source and why they do it the open source way. I'm your host, Carsten Hohage, and today I'm going to talk to Ruben Costa from VMware and my SAP colleague, Behan Veli, about Cloud Foundry, and in particular about the role and history of its technical oversight committee, the TOC. Hi, Ruben and Behan. Nice to have you here. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Hello. Nice to be here. Let's look at who we're talking to today. Ruben has been a Cloud Foundry and Bosch consultant. Bosch, we'll come to that later, what that is, for eight years before he joined VMware only in the spring of 2021. He comes from the Netherlands, works for all I know from Sweden, and he is also an aspiring member of the TOC, so the Technical Oversight Committee of Cloud Foundry. Behan has been active in the Cloud Foundry community for more than seven years. He started to contribute as a member of the Bosch, here it is again, team at SAP. A year ago, he has taken on a broader role um, at SAP and with respect to Cloud Foundry and now looks into areas and general topics uh, from a Cloud Foundry application developer perspective. In the Cloud Foundry community, Behan is the technical lead in the Foundational Infrastructure Working Group and also an aspiring member of the TOC. So, Ruben and Behan, you are both in the same working group at Cloud Foundry and you are both running for a seat in the Technical Oversight Committee. Have you ever met in real life? I don't remember meeting Ruben actually in person. Most probably we visited the same Cloud Foundry summits in the past, but never met there. And also all the events have been hosted virtually in the last two, three years. So maybe we can meet this year, let's see. There's definitely been overlap in the time. We were both active at the same time at the conferences, but I don't know. We were involved with different things, I think, back then. So, Okay, if that mostly falls into these only online past two years, uh, then I understand. Uh, for the information of our listeners, we are also still doing remote recordings. I think we'll have to talk to our sound engineers if we can change that in the future again, because I don't think we absolutely have to anymore. But for now, uh, we see each other, we hear each other. Behan, before we put some more focus on the technical oversight committee and overall governance processes in the very large community, I suppose Cloud Foundry is, uh, can you just give us the most brief possible summary again of what Cloud Foundry is? Yeah, let me try. We can fill multiple uh, podcast episodes with this topic most probably. But uh, yeah, Cloud Foundry positioned itself in the platform as a service space uh, with focus on application developers and provides built-in support um, to run applications which are implemented uh, in different, could be implemented in different uh, programming languages like Java, Python, uh, Ruby, Golang, and others. 
Um, the promise behind Cloud Foundry is actually, here is my code, just run it. So the platform tries to find the right uh, abstraction for the application developers so that they can focus on their code only and then don't bother for other things. Um, yeah. Uh, also worth mentioning here is that um, applications developed uh, by following the 12-factor app principles are best supported on the platform. Um, I won't go into details uh, regarding 12-factor app principles, but maybe we can provide a link uh, after the podcast so that the listeners can check it. Um, of course, applications which are developed uh, with uh, other principles in mind are also supported, uh, can be run on the platform, but you will uh, face different challenges. Yeah. I think I um, answered your question and it was quite short. It was definitely short considering what a large topic Cloud Foundry is. Uh, Ruben, do you think uh, they aren't left anything totally essential that our listeners should know out? Yeah, there's one thing. It's mainly targeted at stateless apps. So apps shouldn't have state according to 12-factor. And to have state, uh, Cloud Foundry has the concept of services. So um, if you want to store something in a database or something, you would do that through um, a service binding. Uh, and there's this whole API for that um, that service brokers can implement to be able to expose services to Cloud Foundry platforms. So services are not part of the platform itself. It doesn't come with services. These services are pluggable extensions of the platform. And there's a standardized way to do that. Sounds like we should include the link to the 12-factor information with the podcast. Ah, blah. Um, Possibly most people listening to a Cloud Foundry podcast uh, will have heard of it before. Uh, now, Ruben, uh, you're with VMware. Uh, Cloud Foundry has its roots with VMware somewhere in the history of things. But then the complete history of Cloud Foundry and who runs it uh, and what you did at which point in time of that is rather complicated. Uh, do you want to tell us that story? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so VMware or started the Cloud Foundry project internally. Um, I think it was eight years ago or something. Um, and then it was initially open sourced. Um, back then, it was just some Ruby code bases. Um, they already started with containerization of the app workloads. Um, but there was no standardized way to install it yet. Get back to that later. Um, then to really have it take off, it was actually spun off out of VMware, and a startup was created called Pivotal. Um, that was they took the Pivotal Labs name, which was I think back then also a daughter company of I don't remember. Maybe Dell, EMC, and GE. I think were all involved there. It was like a really crazy big startup with a lot of people, and then they. Uh, uh, worked on uh, developing Cloud Foundry further. Um, in that time, also uh, an installer tool was created. Uh, that's not, I think, doing it justice, but uh, that tool is called Bosch. Uh, that's 
the platform or the tool for installing platforms, right? Uh, because it's uh, you need a, a bunch, a, a lot of VMs to run your Cloud Foundry, and you need to be able to update those with new versions of Cloud Foundry, and that's a complex problem in itself. So a tool for that was created. And then at some point, I think that was two years or yeah, two years ago, um, Pivotal was acquired again by VMware. Um, and that's how uh, yeah, the Cloud Foundry project came back under the, it's not fully under the VMware umbrella because actually it is part of the foundation. Um, so we will get into that more as well. And did you personally go along that entire path where you were at Pivotal also? And, and then No, no. So I was working as a consultant uh, during actually most of that. So I think when it was still a VMware product, product in the beginning, I was working at a startup and started to be interested in Cloud Foundry. And then soon after it was spun off into Pivotal, I started to be uh, a consultant. Um, and I've worked at Stark & Wayne as one of the first employees. Um, and I've been involved with many of the foundation members. Uh, I did early day Swisscom work, for example. Um, so, and then only at like uh, when um, Pivotal was acquired by VMware, I joined uh, VMware to work on Cloud Foundry. You joined VMware, okay. I don't even remember if we talked about this in our preparation chats. Uh, do you know Don Foster? lady at VMware who uh, I talked to one or two episodes ago, I don't even remember. Um, and uh, she's taking care of community work uh, at VMware. You, you probably should look her up. <laughs> yeah. I'm making matches here within VMware. Sorry about that. Um, no. Uh, anyway, uh, Don Foster, uh, we talked about uh, community work, uh, VMware's involvement in open source in general uh, a couple of episodes ago um, and uh, might be interesting for you. Yeah, I have heard her name, but she's, I think she's doing it from like more VMware. I'm still with the pivotal part within VMware, so there's like still this Internally, behind the scenes, there's still this integration happening. So, Yeah, she came via Pivotal, at least, and she works out of the UK. Um, anyway, Behan, what's your personal Cloud Foundry... I'm sorry. What's your personal Cloud Foundry history? My journey with Cloud Foundry uh, started actually 2015, when I did my dojo in San Francisco with the... Uh, Bosch team at Pivotal at that time. Uh, so Dojo is actually the primary way um, um, how you could get contributor to the Cloud Foundry uh, project. It required you to pass an interview so that you get accepted for the Dojo. And the Dojo itself is actually six-week on-site uh, work in pairing mode with uh, with the team uh, uh, in the Cloud Foundry at Pyoto. And if everything goes well, uh, you get uh, and commit the rights uh, for Cloud Foundry. So after my dojo, I joined a small team at SAP, um, which, of course, the focus was uh, on Bosch. Um, and until mid of last year, I've been in that team and 
At that time, I moved to a different role inside SAP, as you mentioned already. So I'm helping now internal stakeholders at SAP, which want to develop uh, their use cases on top of the platform. And uh, the idea here is that I focus on the platform side uh, uh, when I walk into the uh, platform from the application developer perspective and try to find a limitation on the platform side so that we can address those limitations in the community and further improve the platform. Okay. And uh, by the way, that dojo principle, uh, you mentioned that was under the roof of Pivotal. Has that been taken over by VMware? So you still have dojos to join the CF community? Um, this has been reworked actually in the last two, three years. And uh, it is not required anymore to have a dojo to get a contributor. It it came out that it is quite expensive investment, uh, a dojo, and not every company can uh, afford afford this, and that's why uh, this has been reworked. Just making sure so that our listeners don't go out there and look for uh, Cloud Foundry dojos and they're just not around anymore. So they're not around anymore. There are different ways now. Uh, Ruben, um, Cloud Foundry, that's like, this huge platform um, and it's obviously a huge community project. How does one govern that? Is is that, for instance, what made the, the technical oversight committee necessary or do we find something like that in all other communities as well? Um, yeah, so <clears throat> before the TOC, we had the dojo stuff, right? I think the TOC was formed because there was... Um, this need from the different foundation members uh, that they wanted to be able to collaborate better and make it easier to onboard new contributors um, because the community is maturing. We were really in that like startup phase, like lots of change happening at all the time. And now there's just a few really big people or companies that have adopted it uh, quite heavily. Um, and that have a stake and they want more security around being able to yeah, keep things up to date and um, collaborate more closely, I guess. Um, and that's why the TOC was formed. That was do, done through like a voting process. So all the people that have ha, had done contributions in the past two years or something, they were able to vote. And then um, there were two seats um, to be taken by people from VMware, two for people uh, from SAP, and then one for um, another foundation member uh, person. Um, and currently that's being hold, uh, held by someone from the cloud.uk, I think. Or is it gov.uk? I don't know. Um, <laughs> The, the the cloud project from the UK government. Um, and um, the TOC then has formed um, working groups. So they restructured everything, um, all the different projects into logical groupings and then found uh, uh, technical uh, leaders for those groups and also um, approvers. So people that would be able to approve and uh, review pull requests. 
Um, that is uh, what the TOC has done so far in the working groups. Let's maybe before we get into a little more detail of what the, the TOC, the Technical Oversight Committee does, uh, let me ask you this other question here. Uh, I said in your introductions that you're both running for a seat on this exact Technical Oversight Committee. Uh, maybe at the time of broadcasting this podcast, by the way, you already have these seats. Uh, we don't know. Um, but is that a competition like between the two of you, if you're both running, can only one of you get in, like the Highlander principle? There can only be one, or how, how is that going to work? Not uh, really, because as uh, Ruben mentioned, uh, there are seats uh, for companies of SAP and VMware. So uh, there is a competition between the candidates from the same company, actually. <laughs> okay, so you can still be friends. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't have to go into campaign mode now. Um, little more detail to the roles of the TOC. There was one thing that I understood uh, when you just talked, Ruben. You said um, the TOC, with one part of its responsibilities, replaced the dojos. So from what you said there, it would sound like before you had the dojo, so you made sure that everyone who ever fiddled with, uh, with any uh, Cloud Foundry code was well enabled. And now you don't do this before anymore, but you rather watch over what people do from the, from the TOC perspective. It's, it's the working groups actually responsible for the reviews. But yeah, so we... Uh, Previously, there was like it was difficult to get your pull request merged if you didn't go through uh, a dojo, right? So that was a big barrier for people to contribute. And now there's a different focus. We're saying like we want to actually um, focus on reviewing PRs fast so that people get like a positive feedback cycle if they go through the effort of contributing code to such a complex project. Um, and that's the responsibility of the working groups. Um, so working groups aren't so much about um, like setting out the roadmap. Maybe there's a bit of that, but since the working group is cross-company, right? These companies have their own individual backlogs, right? So we cannot decide. Yeah, we want this feature. No, like that's fine, but we don't have any jurisdiction. We cannot assign people to that work. That as companies themselves assigning people to actually do the work. So we are in charge of enabling or smoothing out that like whole review process. So if a company has done the work and then they want to get this feature in, we are here to make sure that these pull requests get uh, reviewed uh, and merged into upstream. Okay, so it's actually become more open because before, if you didn't have the dojo badge, basically uh, you'd have a hard time. And now it's like um, case by case, the the working groups judge if whatever is pull requested uh, is good enough, basically. Yes, and there's also like a, a process to uh, a defined process to progress towards like approver or like through these roles right so if people start to contribute they come can become officially a contributor which means they would join to uh, get an invite to the cloud foundry organization and then they would be able to 
get approver status if they have done like a certain or contributed a certain amount of things within a working group. Um, and then they can even become a tech lead for that working group uh, or TUC member. Like, yeah. Maybe over to you, Behan. Uh, what is your perspective or your additions to what the TOC does? Um, the TOC is actually there to uh, take responsibility on all the technical questions and decisions which are out of scope for one project or working group. So um, basically, you can imagine uh, um, questions like uh, in which direction should the platform go to find the roadmap for the platform, um, the tooling uh, to be used, um, source code management, um, things like coordinating the uh, releases, which depends on multiple working groups. So ba basically the TOC is uh, taking part of the technical enablement of the Cloud Foundry uh, Foundation, I would say. Okay, and speaking of that, is there only is there a one and only Cloud Foundry stack, or are there like with Linux, for instance, other distributions that take different snapshots with different additions, subtractions uh, from the one and only Cloud Foundry? Um, there is a certification program, so you need to ship a lot of the standard components to be able to call yourself a Cloud Foundry, basically. Uh, but there are different distributions, like VMware has its own distribution of Cloud Foundry, and SAP runs also a, a version of Cloud Foundry internally. Okay, but the TO, but then the TOC only watches over the community version, basically, right? Yes. And the rest is in the responsibility of the, the distributors or the... Yeah, they consume upstream and then repackage it. And maybe to a social side of things, uh, something like a technical oversight committee, is, is that well received by the community or do you sometimes, I don't know, have stressful moments uh, with community members who do not accept a rejection of code or whatever? I would say it is well received, but I haven't worked so much in the TUC work uh, in the last year. So I'm most involved in the foundational infrastructure working group together with Ruben. And I can speak uh, for the working group itself. And since the setup is in place with TUC and uh, our new working group setup, we observe uh, increased activity regarding uh, pull requests and uh, issues in our uh, foundational infrastructure working group. And also uh, the diversity is better now. Uh, with diversity, I mean uh, the distribution of those uh, contribution across companies. And that, is, and that is opposed to the dojo days or with what did you compare when you said an increase? This is uh, compared to before we have the setup with the TOC and uh, yeah, without the dojo, yeah, correct. Okay. And so overall, I mean, Cloud Foundry is a lot, rather large community as uh, opposed to maybe some smaller 
family-like ones, I guess. Uh, is the overall atmosphere in the community is usually okay? Or is there like frequent hard conflict of interest? Um, actually, there are not so many sources for uh, conflict, uh, I would say, uh, because we are in a state where the platform is... Uh, mature as ruben said and we don't walk into the next coolest technology which we want to integrate into into the platform but uh, we are more focused to provide a better support for day two operations like uh, the stability of the platform the performance and um, to improve the support of the use cases for which the platform has been built yeah mainly this is the focus and um, I would say the atmosphere is good. Yeah, I would say it's like a, a professional like enterprise. Like every, everybody has this background in enterprise-related software, right? So yeah. th they all share the same use cases. So there's not like people that want to use it for something totally different. Um, so there isn't that much tension. Um, everybody has the same concerns. It's just a matter of like, how are we going to prioritize these things and who's going to do the work? Like there's more of that type of coordination. Um, yeah, not so much about like, should we do it? It's more like, yeah, probably we should do that. Like, for example, a big topic is supply chain security, right? That's currently a hot topic. It's coming up, but it is about like timing, like when, do we want to invest in it because it's a really big thing and currently the tooling around it is still a bit immature, right? Maybe we need to wait a bit to get some more clarity uh, before over-investing, right? Those types of conversations are the things we, we, are, we are having. And as you said, most members come from larger home organizations, everyone who is active in Cloud Foundry is basically used to that it's not just simply uh, hack it and publish it, but there is usually more considerations, processes, etc., uh, etc. Et Sometimes also critical feedback uh, and whatever involved, right? Yeah, and I mean, like it, it, it is also people's uh, job, right? Like we don't have like many people that are contributing just as a hobby. Yeah, okay. That's what I meant with the smaller communities where you sometimes find these more like hobbyish people, like this one colleague of mine who is still maintaining this exotic uh, mobile uh, OS or something, uh, which is kind of, I, I don't know if there is that much professional interest in that or if that's just some people fascinated by it. Anyway, um, Right now, you are, as we have mentioned, both members of the Foundational Infrastructure Group. And you have also both just mentioned that until now, you mostly know the, the, the processes from that uh, working group's perspective and not so much of the TLC, which you are only now running for. That's not true for me, though. Like, I've, I've been attending all TLC meetings almost. Oh, okay, okay. Then, then you do know that perspective. I'm sorry. Um, and is is it right that the foundational infrastructure working group is basically synonymous uh, to what we have mentioned as Bosch several times? It's Bosch plus some other things that I thought would be. I don't know. They couldn't find another home for it, so it's like <laughs> some other things. 
Okay, so not 100% congruent, but uh, Bosch is like the main part of that working group. And is it also correct that if you do get a seat on the TOC that you have to leave the that working group? Allegedly. Allegedly, I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is, so this is the first time that this... Um, so they have had one election, right? But that was the, the founding election. So it was had different rules. So this is the first election, TOC election that's actually done properly. So before, like previously, there were no working groups because these have been formed by the TOC. So this is the first case. This is going to come up. But I've heard rumors that we probably have to step down. So one of you or both of you would basically be the first amendment to the TOC. Yeah, um, <laughs> may, may, yeah. I could imagine that it uh, is challenging to be in the working group and to see and to be natural uh, when the topic discussed, which uh, <laughs> are related to your working group. Yeah, but I mean, like, if we both get a seat, we could basically take over the TOC, right? It would be the TOC would then be really focused on the foundational infrastructure group. <laughs> <laughs> And if you in the future take over the TOC, as you have uh, now threatened live on air, <laughs> uh, uh, just a quick glimpse about uh, what's currently hot. What, what would be the next topic for Bosch or in foundational infrastructure that you would like to push? We currently have Bionic. No, Bionic is the current stem cell. And we're going to Jemmy, Jellyfish. That's the new Ubuntu stem cell that's currently being worked on and being rolled out. Uh, so there isn't much of a push there but i mean i already mentioned like supply chain security that's a topic that probably will come up in the coming year um, and that will need need to be addressed uh, and will have an impact on foundational infrastructure but also will need to be coordinated at the toc level because it is it affects all the components Okay, but it sounds like this is all in the best interest anyway, so you don't need to hijack the TOC for that, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bayan, uh, you have any other personal foundational topics? Maybe it's worth mentioning on what we worked uh, in the last two, three, five months. Uh, so we uh, invest into the uh, resilience of the Bosch agent. Uh, so the Bosch director uh, is... They had to manage VMs, uh, one uh, aspect of what Bosch does. And to manage those VMs, Bosch requires an agent of the VMs. And so on every VM, there is an agent, and the agent needs to communicate with the Bosch director itself. Uh, and the, that the communication happens over the network. And you know how reliable the communication over network is. That's why we invest here on the resilience, Bosch agent resilience, when the communication doesn't work properly with the director so that the agent is more resilient. And also some security improvements like the rotation of certificates, which Bosch manage on the VMs is much faster now because no recreation of the virtual machine is required anymore. You can just uh, rotate the certificates in place, uh, which improves the rotation time. Those types of issues are typically not coordinated at the TOC level, right? So 
the jammy jellyfish thing would be, but these things are more like improvements at the working group level that can be done there. At least how you do how you do it in the end, right? I mean, not even like the fact that you're gonna do it. It's gonna. It doesn't go up to the TOC level at all. That's like within the working group. So only like when it affects other working groups in a significant way, then you would have to go, or you would uh, better do it through the TOC, through like an RFC. There's this RFC process where you can submit, yeah, proposals around processes, but also about. Um, adoption of new technologies or new things um then there's going to be discussion at a doc level okay sounds pretty well organized and like everyone knows what their area of responsibility and detail of responsibility is um now we have touched on a lot of topics uh, that might get people interested to learn further because we are with this podcast now running out of our usual time. Uh, so let's come to the famous last two questions. And the first of that is usually if someone wants to get involved or just use or whatever in Cloud Foundry, especially the foundational group, what are the first addresses they should go to? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they should just go to cloudfoundry.org. Um, that's the website. And there, from there, you can find everything you need uh, and all the code lives on github in the cloud foundry organization on github and there is i don't know uh, there isn't also like this totally cool site of video tutorials uh, onboarding whatever it's all contained on the on the github pages um so cloudfoundry.org has a get started um but also, um, actually, that mentions tutorials and all those types of things. But uh, one other thing that would be a good website to get started is borscht.io. Um, that is a separate website, which has the um, documentation and getting started information for the Bosch project that, um, yeah, is powering Cloud Foundry or it's used as an installer for Cloud Foundry, basically. Okay, we'll have to make sure that we have those links under the podcast then as well. Um, and now, very last question. If everyone should take away one, two, three key points from this podcast episode, what should they be? Maybe you want to do two each and Ruben starts? Yes. Um, so... Consensus-based governance uh, with a TOC can be quite slow, but it is definitely worth it. We're seeing uh, good uh, improvements in uh, the uh, openness of our community. Okay, here's one. Um, yeah, and the other thing is, uh, I think we didn't touch upon it, but um, <laughs> RFCs are quite are nice, but actually they don't. Uh, mean much if you don't have any automation or processes to enforce them. Okay, so call for automation. Here's two. Um, Behan. Contributing to Cloud Foundry should be much easier now. Just try it. And the second one 
if you discover any issues uh, by contributing to Cloud Foundry, any uh, anything challenging you, please uh, provide feedback in the TOC channel, Slack channel. Uh, yeah, they are looking for further improvements of the process. So we have also Slack uh, for communication uh, in the community. Okay, great. I think we have quite a list of links uh, or places to go to that we should include under the podcast by now. Um, and also, thanks overall. Uh, thanks for being here, Ruben and Behan. Thank you also. Yeah, for having And bye-bye uh, for now. Bye-bye. This is the place where we always notice that we're not on site together, but online. Uh, that is always a little harder with the saying bye-bye uh, in some kind of a natural order and uh, whatever. Uh, anyway, thank you all for listening to The Open Source Way. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Uh, don't miss the next episode. We publish every last Wednesday of the month, unless we're going into some kind of summer break, which will do soon and you'll notice uh, you'll find us on open sap and in most of the places where you find all your other podcasts like apple Podcasts, spotify and the likes thanks again for listening and goodbye <laughs>